tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Merry Christmas, a belated happy Hanukkah, and welcome to Texans on Tap, episode 29. I'm Brandon Strange alongside Charlie Polillo and Josh Jordan. Follow them on X at Polillo and at Josh Jordan 975. Gents, the um, the Texans gave the fans basically the next best thing to a win, uh, which was a loss that you really didn't need to pay attention to after the halftime. So uh, for anyone needing to run those last-minute errands, you were free to do so. Uh, Texans get absolutely annihilated by Cleveland 36-22, and it wasn't even that close. Um, outside of the Damian Pierce kickoff return for a touchdown in the first half, uh, the, the Browns really just toyed with the Texans for most of the day. Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper looked like the varsity taking on the JV team in a scrimmage. Um, we usually start with whatever side of the ball had the strongest showing I don't really know how to weigh that. I'll, I'll just say, you know, this is relative, uh, but the Texans did do a decent job in holding the Browns to only 54 yards running in a vacuum. That sounds like that would be part of a winning formula, not a blowout, but here we are. I know the Texans are banged up on defense even more so after this game, but were you shocked, I guess, that, you know, even after the early bomb to Cooper, that D'Amico continued to show so little respect, seemingly, for Amari Cooper, and they just kept making him play. Were you surprised by the lack of adjustments, I guess is what I'm trying to say, uh, that where they just really didn't try to dare someone other than Amari Cooper to beat them long? Well, in the spirit of the season or, or the day, we could just go with bah humbug, call it a wrap and go eat. But Santa's not due for a few hours yet as we talk, so I guess we should be a little bit more expansive than that. Uh, with a couple of caveats, it was a pitiful, humiliating, not ready for primetime players performance uh, all the way around. Uh, defensively, Amari Cooper is a very good player, but he's not a hybrid of Jerry Rice and Randy Moss at their peak, except for today. And yes, the injury stacked up, but, you know, it had nothing to do with giving up a kickoff return to start the game to give the Browns the ball outside the 40. And then the first throw of the game, Stephen Nelson, who's been a pretty steady Eddie corner for the Texans, combines with Jimmy Ward. So when they lost Ward to injury, was that a big loss as they just got beaten like the proverbial rented mule 53 yards to get him right down to a first and goal? Uh, then on a wildcat formation where you know they're only going to run the ball, you let Jerome Ford get to the edge for a touchdown, and pretty much the the route was on. Uh, then, of course, you lose Grenard without having Will Anderson. You're undermanned. Well, the Browns are down three offensive tackles. They're playing a quarterback who today looked like the best of Joe Namath combined with Bernie Kosar mixed in with Joe Montana. Flacco's closer to Medicare uh, than he is not. Um the Browns don't have uh, much of a running game post Nick Chubb. It was just an, an utter uh, meltdown, and that's just the defensive uh, side of the ball. Um, the Browns, pretty plucky at 10-5 and five on their fourth quarterback. The Texans, there's the big picture right from where they were a year ago, quantum league progress. Maybe J- C.J. Stroud's the most valuable player in the history of the league. 
as their offense has been pathetic two weeks in a row. They were able to get away with it in Nashville, nowhere close to getting away with it this go-round. Yeah, I mean, Joe Flacco looked like Joe Montana against the Texans' defense today. That's three straight games he's thrown for over 300 yards, so it's not just the Texans. You know, Flacco's playing pretty well, and Amari Cooper – He's a good player, but he, he shouldn't be setting the all-time Browns receiving yards record against you. I mean, I, the lack of adjustments was, was shocking to me because even when Nelson went out for the game, I thought maybe they put Stingley on Cooper, and they didn't, and then eventually they did, and then Steven Nelson came back in the game, so they went back to playing each side. I just I felt like D'Amico was a little slow in making some of those adjustments. I think that really hurt them today, and nobody else was challenging them. I mean, Najoku had a decent day, but as far as the other receivers, they were basically non-existent. I'm surprised they didn't just bracket Cooper for the whole game. I especially noticed on like some third and shorts where he was lined up one-on-one on, you know, on Steven Nelson, and he, he beat him easily to the inside to pick up a first down, and he kind of did that to the Texans' corners all day, so... That was really disappointing, especially when you think of what Houston has invested. They have two really top-notch corners, and it didn't seem to matter with Amari Cooper. My other takeaway is safety. I think the Texans are going to need two new safeties next season. Uh, you know, Jalen Petrie, it appears he got benched in this game. That He was at least somebody, you know, there was a bright spot from, from that draft a couple of years ago. And then Jimmy Ward, I mean, he gets hurt every week, and he's a, he's an older guy in his 30s. You just can't count on him. So I think that's going to be a big focus this offseason. And Steven Nelson's a free agent too, but safety, you know, if Petrie can't get it together, they might have to look elsewhere. I mean, the corners were taking turns in the dunk tank, and, and Flacco just kept throwing fastballs and hitting the bullseye or Cooper, wherever you want to put it, and down goes another one. Um, you know, when Nelson gets toasted, wow. When Stingley gets toasted – Right, a meaningless stat interception for him, but he didn't have a good day. Those two guys need to perform. Uh, that what's his name? D'Angelo Ross, who played one defensive snap the entire season before today, gets beaten by Cooper for the 75-yard touchdown to make it 14 to nothing. Okay, he's D'Angelo Ross. Well, why a cover scheme would have him matched on Amari Cooper? I don't care if Nelson's out at the time and you want to play Stingley left, Stingley right. No, you need to attach your one good corner that you have in that moment to their obvious number one wide receiver. So it was a well-rounded team effort. The Texans sucked everywhere. Offense, defense, coaching. Uh, the one caveat for the the Pierce kickoff return touchdown. Um, but, you know, overall, I aye, 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 aye. But... Let me throw this in, and we can continue to tear apart what needs to be torn apart from there. Uh, the CBS guys were wrong. The Texans do not need a lot of help. It's pretty simple. They beat the Titans next week. They win at Indy, and that's not a prediction. But with the Colts eating it and getting blown out in Atlanta, there's this cluster of eight and seven. Well, if the Texans win the remaining two games, they're not in a tiebreaker with the Colts. And that elevates them at 10 and seven to where they're in that head-to-head tiebreak situation with Cincinnati or Pittsburgh, which could come out of the central. If Denver gets to 10 and seven, if the Texans win the last two games, they're making the playoffs. If they don't win the last two games, they are not, and they won't deserve to. Yeah. Let me add on to that a little bit there. I, I, I looked ahead a little here. Bengals, 
they got the Chiefs and the Browns their next two games. So you like that if you're the Texans, right? Colts have the Raiders. Eh. And then, of course, the Texans. We talked about that. Steelers have Seahawks and Ravens. We'll see how much that game matters to Baltimore at the end of the year, but that looks good. Jags have the Panthers and the Titans. So pretty easy path for Jags. But the Broncos, Patriots, Chargers, Raiders, because they don't play till Sunday night. So the Broncos have a pretty easy, easy schedule themselves. But if the Steelers, Bengals, and Broncos all went out and the Texans win their remaining two games, the Texans are in because they would all be 10 and seven. The Colts would be nine and eight. So the Texans would no longer lose the tiebreaker to the Colts. You eliminate tiebreakers involving multiple teams, multiple divisions. You have to advance out of your division first. So whoever survives from the Steelers and Bengals, if the Broncos are in or not in, the Texans would have a head-to-head sweep individually or collectively. So win these two games, unless there's a faint scenario where should the Dolphins lose out and then you get to a different tiebreaker combination, get down to strength of victory or something crazy like that. But this cluster or cluster mm, of eight and seven teams, one of them is getting in. And if the Texans get to 10 and seven, and it shouldn't be Herculean provided Stroud gets his head clear and plays these last two games, Titans, at the Colts, win two, in. Um, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Uh, let's get back to the Browns game here. As much as we'd like to get away from it, I, I, I completely understand. I don't want to talk about this either. But And and I mean no disrespect to D'Amico Ryans and the defense when I say this, but it just looked like there was a lot of uh, – this game lacked a lot of pride. And look – I understand sometimes you're just shorthanded. You get beat by the better team. Or sometimes you're just not going to get, uh, you're going to get outplayed any given Sunday, yada, yada, yada. But when the Browns gave up 14 points in garbage time, and let's be real, regardless of what the broadcaster said, that was garbage time. Uh, they brought back in their starters to answer that run. And then, you know, they're going for Amari Cooper to get the franchise all-time receiving record. And everyone know where knew where the ball was going, and yet they leave Stingley one on one against Cooper to set that record. I just thought, man, if if I'm D'Amico or, or the defensive coordinator or just the defense in general, I'm just like, man, not on my watch, not in my house. Are you going to go get set this record? Like I'd send the house, you know, or send everybody to block off. Amari in that moment because we all knew where it was going and yet it's a one-on-one and it's an easy like it was an easy reception so I digress um let's talk about CJ Stroud and the cobwebs because uh we latest reporting is that he's making progress he obviously wasn't cleared for this week but it does appear like or it does seem like he may be on the path to uh come back this week, I mean, I know that there's still playoff implications. Uh, is it worth risking? I mean, I don't think there's any any doubt. I mean, I don't, I'm not confusing this team of being a a real playoff contender or threat. Is there a, a harm in perhaps bringing uh, CJ back into a situation in which, I mean, it's it's pride. You're you know you're gonna there's possible playoff opportunity here. It probably mean a lot to this franchise to make the playoffs after being so dreadful over the previous three seasons, is it worth bringing him back? Uh, To me, it's a strict medical call. If he passes all the protocols and there's no gray area attached to the gray matter, well, then he plays. Trevor Lawrence made it through the protocol and returned for the the Jaguars Sunday. Um, 
Now, if Stroud, if there's any question, you know, if he gets a C minus on one of those protocols, okay, then err uh, on the side of caution. Um, reality is once you suffer a concussion, you are more apt to suffer another one and you take a big shot. And remember Stroud had to leave for one play. Was it the Cincinnati game? So it's possible that that was the precursor and it was a vicious bounce that the head took uh, off the ground against the jets. But I mean, if he passes and the Texans are fighting to stay alive in the playoff picture, I think you play as long as he passes everything baseline and all the measurements that they do now of course Stroud's presence guarantees nothing the Carolina game happened with CJ Stroud the Jets game happened with CJ Stroud but Case Keenum was utterly overmatched it's not like the offense was productive in the Tennessee game they were able to get by and Keenum made one play um you know and let's throw in you know the Texans uh Laramie Tunsil you know Mr. 25 million dollar fortress of pass protection a third and nine early in the game he gets called for a false start because whether he was either uh, ooh, got the, the, the shakes from Miles Garrett lining up against him, but Tunsil cheats a lot. And they're calling that a little bit more uh, later in the season. Um, but, you know, their very best players, Nico Collins, a very quiet game. Uh, Stingley, eh. Tunsil, eh. And then you throw in other guys out. Um, nevertheless, the Browns have not been destroying people. And so to lay that size an egg on the home field to be utterly non-competitive till Cleveland took the foot off the gas and then got, frankly, a little stupid with clock management late. Um, it's just a reminder the Texans aren't a finished product yet. There are roster depth issues. Josh hit on the secondary. Offensive line's another one. Uh, John Mechie's a, a great human interest story. But as a wide receiver, if anything, he's a liability when he's on the field at this point. Robert Woods offers no threat whatsoever. So this is a massive offseason coming, having five picks in the first four rounds, having what will not be a mountain of salary cap cash, actually, unless you're writing off retaining Jonathan Gennard and a couple of other notable free agents. But they will have money to work with, and Nick Casario needs to work well. Because they don't have a yeah. lot of schedule next season. Um, to answer your question, Brandon, yeah, if he's cleared and the, the coaching staff feels like he's ready, then you, you got to play, CJ. I mean, Trevor Lawrence didn't practice all week, and then he gets cleared at the very end of the week, and he's on the plane, and he's going and playing. We see Derek Carr have two concussions in one month. The second one, he returned seven days later. He got in some limited practices. I mean, this is football. You know, if he's ready to go, he needs to be out there playing. And he's such a difference maker. And you saw it today when they went down seven to nothing offense kind of started to have something going with case keenum and then you, you pick up a first down and you put davis mills out there for a zone read you get you get no yardage then second down you get nothing third down you don't pick it up drives over you killed it so why are you pulling in two quarterbacks and mixing and matching that early in the game you know even the the commentators were like you know, how's keenum gonna get in any kind of flow like this and you know, you can say what you want about Davis Mills, but that was against backups at the end of the game. And he was still airmailing passes over guys' heads. It's not like he was great. And to Charlie's point about John Mechie, I think Mike Meltzer tweeted something out. If Jalen Petrie really doesn't work out, Mechie's not looking great. You know, you're, and then Kenyon Green's been a total nothing for you. Like that draft is starting to look very different as, as the season's playing out here. When you raised Mills, I was counting and I got to six because the words that came to mind, what in the hell was that? <laughs> uh, look, I think in part it was an acknowledgement that they expected to struggle with Keenum. They did in Nashville, but he was the lesser of two evils if you want to uh, go that route. 
But to put Mills in immediately after Cleveland had been called for two defensive penalties, giving the Texans first downs, and they ran an option play. He's not Michael Vick, uh, or more presently, CJ's. Davis Mills might be mobile relative to Case Keenum, but Davis Mills is not a mobile running quarterback. So I thought that play call, and they discussed it, I guess, on the telecast, um, but specifically the play call in addition to going with two quarterbacks and is the aphorism, if you have two quarterbacks, do you have any? Not to mention that uh, Devin Singletary looked good in the times in which they decided to feed him the ball. He had some yardage that was erased on penalty, unfortunately, but he averaged – uh, almost five yards a carry, yep. and yet they kept going to try. You know, they kept going to Keenum, and I just like there was nothing there. Uh, I know, uh, you know, we you just you just talked about it in in Davis Mills, you know, getting picking up his uh, points in garbage time, and, and there's no doubt about that. Did did they wait too long though to to go to Davis Mills, or would you have rather seen them just speed the ball more to the guy who clearly was having the only success against this defense? I think their offense was flat overmatched, and it didn't matter. I mean, Singletary had one 17 yard run in the first half. He had six other carries in the first half for eight yards. So you know you could reshuffle the deck, whatever. The Browns have a really good defense. The Texans don't have a really good offense. When you're playing a backup quarterback, and then you throw in no Tank Dell. Uh, this basically was a mismatch, but I didn't think the entire game would be a mismatch. Stay close. I mean, the Browns lose their kicker, Hopkins, so they're going for fourth downs, and you know they're going for two-point conversions when they score. Um, it was just it was just a, a royal ass-kicking. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, I, I think they tried to get that going with Singletary. They had that little screen play that was a big chunk play that caught called back. I think it was Juice Scruggs had yeah. the hold on that one. So they tried it. And I was even thinking there were, seemed to be a lot of design little screens and, and things to counter against that, that pass rush from the Browns, which made me think, like, why aren't we doing this more often? You know, th- these are great plays. Let's get the ball into the running back's hands. Let him make some plays, especially when, you know, you don't have your number one quarterback. So that was tough. It just, I got a bad feeling early in this game. I was just like, ooh, this is not going to go well. So I went and fired at that time, Browns minus six and a half, and that that paid off. I mean, look, the Texans are going to have to gum Christmas dinner because they got all their teeth knocked out. But if we step back from the last three seasons to eight and seven and still absolutely very, very much alive in the playoff race, it's been a good 2023. Indeed. Um, and I guess speaking of running game or uh, options in the running game, looks like, I guess, if, if nothing else, the Dam- the uh, Texans have found another use for Damien Pierce outside of just being a uh, straight running back. So, again, like he was one of the few bright spots in that for really the only bright spot in that first half by uh, going 98 yards uh, to return a kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, well, we are, you know, in lieu of – and so doing our player of the game in lieu of doing our player of the game, shout out. Cause I really don't see that how there could be a player of the game in here. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make an executive decision here, guys. And I'm going to give it to the few people who are going to be watching this video and who've made it all the way to this video because it's Christmas Eve breakdown of a Texans blowout. You guys are the real MVPs. So Merry Christmas 
a happy belated Hanukkah. That's it for this episode of Texans on Tap. We're going to do an early look at uh, Titans, Texans, and next episode, which will drop the day after Christmas on your audio podcast or Wednesday if you watch us on YouTube. Uh, I want to say uh, just a quick note that the video team will be off the rest of the week following that. So after you uh, Wednesday's video, you won't see us again until live again, New Year's Eve to react uh, to that game. Uh, hey, dedication, right? Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, those links will all be in the description. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Texans.